Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. I have nothing against like Taylor Swift, but all I know from listening to her songs is she's angry, isn't she? <laughs> she's got 16 different songs about breaking up with boyfriends. I'm telling my wife, after 16, the problem's probably her. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, could you imagine being a guy dating her? You know the relationship's going to end, because they all have. The whole time you're just thinking, what does my name rhyme with? <laughs> Greetings and welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason. You already knew that, though, because you've been with us before. And if you haven't, welcome. We appreciate you being here. We get together here a couple times per week, and we give you insights, ideas, information, and inspiration on how to create a life and business by choice. Today, I've got a great guest. He's a friend of mine. We met in 2004 maybe 2005, in St. Louis, Missouri, doing a gig at the Marriott by the airport. He and I were doing a comedy entertainment for a big, huge meeting going on, and that's how I met Rick Roberts. Rick is going to join me today. He's a comedy guy, but he's also a business guy, and he's going to help you do business better because we're going to talk about the business of comedy and lessons you can apply from the business of comedy to make your life and business more prosperous. Rick Roberts, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me along. I'm always happy to have you around, buddy. All right. So I just, uh, I'm actually on his podcast, which is called the School of Laughs podcast. And then uh, he is on mine because when you're a podcaster, sometimes you, you have other podcaster friends. So I just told these folks a little bit about your background. Here's why you're going to get something out of this, dear listener. You can learn a lot from someone that is in the business of comedy because this is a hard racket. Many people Many people want to do this for free. Many people think it'd be so neat to get on stage and talk and make folks laugh that they're willing to do it for free. Rick does it for money. Rick has done it for money since 1991. Now put that in perspective. That's 28 years that he's been earning a living out here on the stage. This is not a business for the fickle. This is not a business for the, the uh, unrugged and untough. Rick's tough. And also... Rick produces a school of laughs. He teaches people how to be funny. And also, he has a podcast. He sells products, and he's also on SiriusXM Radio. His clients include the biggest names in corporate America. He's a sharp dude. He's a humorous guy. And now, Rick, what have I missed? Tell him about the rest of the story. Oh, man, if I could just have you walk around and introduce me like that to people at parties, I might get more drinks for free. <laughs> well, I'm happy to do so. I think very highly of you because you actually helped me a long, long time ago. You helped me uh, on some of the comedy stuff, and then I helped you a little bit with some of the business recommendations for your business. And uh, what's tell me about your business right now. So I, I spend about 70% of my onstage time doing straight-up clean stand-up comedy for fundraisers, corporate events, anybody that needs uh, comedy without losing their job for hiring the comedian. That's, that's my specialty, 70% of my income. Uh, the other 30% is divided between a few different programs that I do where I have a productivity speech based around the Andy Griffith show called the Mayberry method, where I teach, uh, usually it's, it's a pretty broad swath of people, uh, you know, County executives all the way to companies that have just hired new folks, just how to focus on the customer 
pay attention to what they need and serve them the best when they least expect it. Uh, that's the Mayberry Method. I also have an interactive keynote, which is also kind of a team-building exercise uh, laden program called Listen Up, Laugh It Up, where I teach you to actually listen to people between the sentences to hear what they're saying so you can serve them. And then for groups that are trying to develop leaders within their organization, I have Game Winning Drive. With the background of sports, we analyze what athletes do, what coaches do, what organizations do and don't do well, how they recover, plan, and get more successful within that organization. So if you've got a group that needs some inspiration, I've got that covered. If you need them to laugh and reward them with that, I can do that as well. Yeah, so the reason I want you to be here and the reason you are here is because you're my buddy, but also most folks, and I still uh, I find this interesting, if we were to go to a party, uh, and I don't do that a lot, but uh, if I did go to a party, my wife and I, let's say we're invited somewhere, and then someone said, oh, what do you do? I would do everything I could to not talk about what I do. And then, you know, I'd say I'm self-employed. I run my own business. Oh, I, I, uh, I have my own enterprise. I live on a farm part of the year. I don't tell them, okay, I'm a speaker. And I do, uh, you know, all this stuff, which now it's a little different because there is a lot more stuff. There's farm ownership, real estate ventures, there's book uh, writing, there's podcasting, and there's speaking at corporate events. But in the old days, I was a pure comedian, just like you once were. And when you're a pure comedian, you go into the room and they say, I'm a comedian. Oh, my God, you're a comedian. We don't seem very funny to me. Funny. Yeah, like I, I just walked in here with my wife. It's a work function for her. Well, yeah, like, say something funny. Well, that's not really my role here. Oh, well, you, you just, I guess, you, who would hire you? You suck. Right. <laughs> it's really interesting. Did you used to introduce yourself as a comedian? I, I like you, would hold that back to the very last moment. I would say I, I'm an independent business owner. I would say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a content provider because that's kind of what we are these days. I might say that I'm a writer. And then I speak to groups. And if they really kept on grilling me, I'd say, all right, I'm a comedian. You can go to my website and watch some videos if you want to see me be funny. Yeah, because I can't stand <laughs> that thing. It's, it's so disrespectful. So I guess what I'm saying to our listeners, you know, they're tuned into the Do Business Better podcast. They are business people, business owners, self-employed, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, want to be business people. And uh, our business is a business. And you and I both get it, but so few people seem to give it any respect or credibility. Now, if you're just pulling off some open mic nights and you're mildly amusing and you're still just doing, you know, uh, dick jokes and recited cats and dogs, men and women. All right. That's one thing. But at a certain point, you've been at this for 28 years. And, you know, I've been out here for 25 years. My first 12, 15 years were just comedy corporate comedy at that. So it's not clubs. So it's a little smarter than we might think, but it's funny to me that the business of funny gets so little respect as a business. And that's why those folks, you wouldn't just say, uh, Oh, you, you pour asphalt driveways. We'll start pouring some asphalt driveway at this party. It's like, well, no, I, that's not what I'm here to do, but they think nothing of approaching a lawyer for legal advice, a doctor for medical advice, or a comedian is supposed to be the court jester. Yeah, it's funny. People expect you to be funny all the time. And if they, if they even, sometimes they'll say that, man, you're, you're not funny at all right now. And I tell them, I'm not working right now. You're <laughs> making me feel like work without any of the fun part, you know, but I do have a program and come see me. If they just kind of really insist on it, I just kind of 
and I do want to have, sometimes I do want to have fun, but I'm not going to launch into a bit about my wife, you know, yeah. I'll just say, you know, one of the things I do is a Andy Griffith show impression of uh, Barney Fife and they'll go, Oh, let me see that. I'm like, wow, how you doing there? Young man. You know, so I give them a little something they can laugh and then we can talk about what they do for a living. <laughs> but, yeah. You're, you're, you're nicer than me because I usually say, Hey, listen, man, I'm not working right now. Now, if you want to pay me, we can do that. But so about the business, it's a hard business that most people don't, think it's a business. Some of them don't give a lot of respect for how hard it is, but also about running it like a business. So tell me what good habit you possess that has helped you in your business. I think the first good habit that I had, and it came from being a farm kid who worked on thoroughbred farms, tobacco farms as well, is just doing the work all the time. You know, yesterday I went to meet with my financial planner and he said, you know, tell me something about you that I don't know. And I, I grabbed my first, before I could even afford a day runner, I brought my little planner that I had my, my calendar in and I'm showing it to Damien right now. You can't see it because we're audio, but I would take the matchbook covers from the comedy clubs. You could still smoke in the clubs. This is how long ago it was 1991. Yeah. Yeah. And I flipped to my first year in comedy and showed him how many gigs I did. I did 410 shows <laughs> in 1993. <laughs> and I did 18 months without a week off. All right. And then I showed him how much money I made. I would be gone 28 days a month back in, in those, you know, and you'd make, and you make like what? Uh, $975 was yeah. one of the months. $1,500. Cause you're making 200 bucks a week to be at a club or two fifty. Yeah. I was going to say $1,500 a month. And that was some of those months you didn't even make 1500 bucks. Right. And so I said, you know, that, this is something I've always done. I could, the hardest transition for me when I be, became more successful and earned more was to see less dates on my schedule. And that was a mindset that I had to get over. You know, I'm doing better work and earning more. I don't have to be gone every single day performing, but if I'm not performing, I'm going to be trying to work on material, connect with other people to get opportunities, uh, network, not just to gain something from somebody, but I would call organizations and say, Hey, I'm here in Nashville. I've got next week off. Is there anything I can do for you? I'm not even going to worry about charging you. Can I just connect with you and help your people out and just build relationships that maybe will come back around the other time for me, but also I'm developing as a speaker. If nothing else ever comes out of it, I got a chance to speak again and get better at that. So I, I, uh, in my book, do business better. I outline four traits of success, the success traits that I say, you better have, you better possess these at your very core of who you are. Now you don't have to be uh, 100% at all of them, but you better have these in your very core. If you want to make it of running your own business, I say they're risk tolerance drive, which you just talked about work resilience and vision. And I say those are traits you called work a habit, which is kind of can be both. It's the easiest trait to learn. It's not like it's God given. You're not born with an ambition gene. What about the other three risk tolerance, resilience, and vision? You know, the world knocks you down. Comedy is not for the faint of heart because you'll get booed vision. You certainly don't do, um, how many gigs did you say you did in 1993? 410. <laughs> 400. <laughs> So you did four, you delivered 410 sets in 365 days. So that means Thursday night, two sets, Friday night, two sets, Saturday night, two sets, maybe a matinee on Sunday, and then a open mic on Tuesday and a, and a really bad low paying gig on Wednesday. You don't deliver 410 gigs sets in one year, unless you have vision for where the career is going. So is it resilience and vision that are your other two that really set you apart or about risk tolerance? You know, it's not an easy gig. You don't have any guarantee. Yeah, all those things come into place. And I was looking at that thinking, you know, it depends on which one you started with. You know, for me, it was drive 
And once I realized that I could do this, then I started to have a vision for where I wanted to take it. And then I knew I had to give up some things, which is risk tolerance. And then the resilience had to be there in order to, to accomplish all that. So I think they're all equally important, but if you don't have drive, you can be sitting in your driveway with vision and not getting anywhere. And I, so I think I, drive is the driver. That is, that is, that is the way I describe it. Uh, yeah. Getting knocked down the resilient part of it. That matters when you want to put together longevity, but at first, it's the work ethic for me. Absolutely. Same as you, when you're doing gigs in people's basements and you know, somebody's somebody's birthday party in the garage and for a hundred dollars, you're showing up and doing a comedy set, which you and I have both been there. It's not, it's not vision that gets you there. It's vision from there that says, where do I want to not be doing gigs in somebody's garage? <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't want to get comfortable. I think that's something we both agree on. Uh, when I first started comedy, I shared an apartment with a couple other comedians and I took the attic, which had no air condition. It was, you know, Columbus, Ohio. So it wasn't totally brutal until about July or August, but I knew that comfort would be performing on the road where I'm in a hotel with a swimming pool and air conditioning comfort. I would not get comfortable at home ever. So uh, that obviously changes when you have family and, and you get married. But in the early days, I knew for sure comfort was a killer. That's, that's a very good lesson for everybody. So you see the, the episode is going to be titled business lessons. You can apply from the world of comedy with Rick Roberts. And while we're talking about business lessons that these folks can apply, don't get comfortable. That's a really, really good one. What about the expansion? Cause you're still growing, man. You invented this, you invented the podcast before I ever had a podcast. You had one, you created a school. What, what, what's the idea there? You say, I just got to keep expanding and trying new things. Well, wait, you and your book uh, talk about your talent stack. And so I didn't realize until maybe 10 years into comedy that part of my talent stack was teaching. And I guess when I look back in college and high school, I was always like a leader or I was a president of this club or what have you. And so I like to take an organization and go further with it. But I really didn't know I had those teaching skills till the comedy club here asked me to teach a comedy class. And I could tell you, talk to you an hour about me fighting that idea because I don't think you can teach people to be funny. But the guy who ran the club said, why don't you look at your set and every time somebody laughs, stop the tape or, or circle the, the joke on your piece of paper and figure out what made them laugh and then teach that. And that's what I've done since uh, 2002, I believe. And, and so that's like where that whole school of laughs aspect of what I do came in. It was just one thing in my talent stack that not only did I enjoy teaching people and, you know, there was some income to it, but also every time I taught the class, I took the class and would develop more material. So it's, it was one way to keep me on my toes as well. You know, I, uh, I anybody keeps up my stuff is going to say, wait a minute, Damien, this is, this guy's your buddy from Nashville and you guys know each other from the road and he, you've got him on here, but you specifically say you can't teach funny. <clears throat> and here he is with the school of laughs. I'm saying Rick and I probably agree. You cannot teach funny. You bring an unfunny person in, you can't teach funny, but he does make money and he does put on a really, really well done school of laughs, which by the way, you can check it out. School of laughs.com. He's got a website. You can listen to the podcast. You can learn from it. In fact, I'm a guest on it. What's your theory? Since I say you can't teach funny, what's your theory then with these people that pay you money to teach and be funny? You're not able to do that. You are able to do so I tell the people when they take the class here are here's the DNA of a great comedian, brilliant material, great timing, uh, a persona on stage that is that you gravitate towards, 
all these different things. And I, I say, these 10 things are traits. I can't teach you these. You may have some of these in you, some higher than others. Mm -hmm. What I can teach you is to take anything you write and apply a comedy technique to it to generate a laugh. And if you deliver that correctly, you can be funnier and whatever you write can become funnier. So we look at the material and we can develop that. And, and you know, cause we've worked together on projects and, um, there is a process to writing comedy and you can learn that and you still have to bring good ideas. It's just like having a farm. You can't plant bad seeds. Nothing's going to grow. You got to water it. That's getting on stage. You got to give it sunlight. That's the spotlight. You got to grow those ideas and test them out. But if you don't bring something to the table, it's not going to happen for you. So what, what's been fun for me is to see people that honestly, when I first saw them in class, didn't think they had anything going on or B didn't think they would stick with it or even had told me, I'm not going to do this for a living. I'm just going to do it for fun that are now full-time comedians out there and they're getting specials and, and things uh, they're doing well. So you can teach people what is funny and how to, how to become funnier. Yeah. You can take a funny person and make them funnier. You're not going to take an unfunny person and make them funny. And there's also things that are God given, in my opinion, that are God given uh, personality traits and whatnot that work and some that do not, but you can take a person's God given traits and work within them. Just like if you're a tall person, that doesn't mean you know how to play basketball, but if you're tall and you have some athleticism and you can learn these three moves in the post, I can teach you to turn around and do a, you know, a turnaround layup. Rick, you just did a nice little agricultural reference, almost metaphor there where you talked about the seed and the sunlight and the water and the soil, et cetera. Uh, that's cool. And you know, I'm an agricultural person. I compare a lot of growing a business to growing a crop because of that. You've got an agricultural background as well. Give me another comparison. Give me another comparison based on what you saw in the real world that you now use in your comedy career, like a job that you had. And you, you know, like for instance, I always say getting on, getting on stage and getting on planes and writing books, that's hard work but then managing the money is the easier work. It's like the overtime. And I worked in a factory overtime was where you still did the same work, but you got paid time and a half. That's one metaphor or relationship or analogy I use. Give me yours. Well, I haven't thought about this, but beyond what I'm getting ready to say, and I'm thinking of it as we're talking, but one of my first jobs I had outside of uh, ag, once I got out of college, you know, college prepared me to deliver pizza in Columbus, Ohio. That's what it, was my first job out of college. And so this place was called Gumby's Pizza. You called 29 Gumby and we bring you the pineapple pizza with the Hawaiian zing to it. And, and that job taught me a lot about just show, A, you got to show up, do the work. B, you've got to deliver. And C, I didn't go try to create the craving for pizza. I went to deliver pizza to people who wanted it. So when I first started comedy, I went to comedy clubs because that's where people went to consume comedy. And then once I realized what my secret ingredient was, what my pizza was, was clean comedy. And then I realized there's a smaller group of people that want that, but they're willing to pay more for it because of the quality of that. So one little odd little thing I learned from delivering pizza was what is my, I guess people call it value proposition in business. What can I deliver that other people can't? And then I find those people. Now it takes more work for me to go find those people now and just go into a comedy club where people show up, but there is a need for it and there's people looking for it. So I, yeah. I try to be easy to find. That's fantastic. So that, that's a fantastic uh, way to bring that all together. Uh, okay. 
In my book, I also talk about Steve Martin and his appearance on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show, where at the commercial break, Johnny Carson says to Steve Martin, son, to be successful in this business, you're going to use everything you've ever learned. So Martin talks about that in his book, Born Standing Up. You have used everything you've ever learned. Relate that to the person listening to this podcast that owns three subway franchises or uh, is a landscape contractor. What do they, what do they need to do? Because a good comedian, like you and I both know, uses everything, everything, use everything you read, everything, you know, every relationship you have, everything. Take that and break it down for the next person that doesn't do comedy. Okay. And and let's look at that subway owner. So maybe the subway owner and you are, you're there the slow part of the day with very few employees and and you're behind the, the meats there and the salads and all that stuff. You got to know your audience, right? So somebody comes in, they want to order a sub. If you have the extra time, spend the extra time with them. Obviously at rush hour, you don't have time to get to know somebody at lunchtime and dinner time or whatever the, the quick time is. But when there is an extra time, give people the extra attention if they're receiving it. You can look at somebody and tell if they are conversational or not. After a couple of words, you can tell if they're sharing stuff back with you. I've learned from being a comedian on stage, some crowds want more interaction than others. Some just want to sit back and be entertained. Some want to be brought on the stage, and Mm -hmm. I can do that if it's necessary. But it's reading your audience, spending as much time as you have with them, and if I could throw this last thing in here, something I learned from uh, a guy named Andy Stanley, who's out of uh, Atlanta, do for one person what you wish you could do for everybody. That's As good. business owners, people will ask you for things. People in your community will ask you for gift cards or whatever for these fundraisers, all kinds of demands on your time. You can't always serve everybody. When I started my School of Last podcast, it was because I had people in Texas fly into Nashville three times to take my writing class live. And I thought, you know, if I had this podcast in an online class, they could get the information where they are. And I could do that as if I was doing it for one person, but as many people as, as I can accommodate can listen to the podcast or take the online class. So is there a way you can serve subs maybe outside of your one franchise store and serve more people? Is there a yeah. way you can cater, whatever it might be? Don't feel confined to the space you're in. Look at that. I said, give me, give me some lessons. And this, this is good because again, we go from the beginning where people don't even think that what you and I do is a business. And then when you all of a sudden start realizing we're all in the same business, we're all in the business of serving people. You and I, I say a great lesson to learn about from comedy is aren't afraid to throw away material. You know, the average company won't throw away a product or a service because they think, Oh, well, goodness, we, 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 that's what we do. Well, it's what you used to do, but whatever. One lesson, one last lesson, thought, idea that you can share with anybody in business they can learn from what you've learned in 28 years of being a business-owning comedian. Yeah, so I think we've, we've all felt this at one point or the other, that past success does not generate future success. You, you, whatever worked before or even currently is all right, but if you're not looking forward or anticipating a downturn, and looking for other revenue streams, you might be shortchanging yourself. So I'll give a quick example of how things have changed in my business here the past, since 2008. So 2008, the economy crashed. Yep. Uh, a company called me and said, we have you on the books to come and be a funny guy, be a comedian, but we can't do that because we're going to get crushed by our members and, and our investors. Can you come down and give us an inspirational talk that is funny as well? <laughs> and I said, big market turn right here. I said, I, I, I've never done that but you know, I can maybe put something together. He goes, 
can you, I know you're funny, but can you not be funny? I said, buddy, <laughs> I can, I can stand there for 24 hours and not be funny. Let's do it. But it was listening to the marketplace and I changed and I developed the, the Mayberry method program that I do for businesses. Mm. There's been revenue, revenue streams that were greater at one time, uh, Sirius XM radio, which I'm still uh, luckily played on every day, especially yeah. on the laugh USA clean channel. Yeah. There was a time where they did not have enough clean content to fulfill the 24 hours a day, seven days a week for that. So I was getting played a ridiculous amount of time mm -hmm. and that was great. And it came at a time where I definitely could have you know, needed that money and it was enabled my wife to stay home with our first child for three years and all this stuff. But that marketplace has changed and the curator of that content has changed and that revenue stream has dipped. Other things are picking up now that weren't available back then. Like, online streaming services like pure flicks and VidAngel and Netflix and these things. So you always have to keep your ear to the ground, figure out what is developing and also look your client in the eye and see what's trailing off and not in demand anymore. I like it. Business advice from my friend, Rick Roberts. Anybody wants to look up Rick Roberts, go to schooloflaughs.com and you can check out his podcast there, but you, you can even hear me on one of those episodes, but you also can learn comedy techniques. They can also find you at Rick Roberts. That's Rick with a K, Rick, R-I-K, Roberts.com. What else do we need to know about you, Rick? Where can they find you otherwise? You know, I, I definitely recommend checking out the podcast. Damien was on episode 150 as well as the uh, episode that came out on May 1st. So if you want to learn more about the guy you're listening to right now, he's on there, but you'll find a lot of business tips, not only about comedy, obviously, but marketing sales uh, product. We've covered a lot of things in that podcast that are comedy related, but also will relate to your business. So check that out. That's awesome. Rick Roberts. Thanks for being here. You're welcome, buddy. All right. Till next time. It's the do business better podcast.